This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, LS Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com hello and welcome to the Love strangers a swindon town fan podcast proudly sponsored by the stfc official supporters club Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside beautiful play that is that what a good shot stock response this is sort of turning into a bit of an initiation for podcast contributors now that i make you go and do a my 11 for the podcast if anyone does want to participate in a my 11 and has an interesting 11 do let me know slide into my dms but until then we'll we'll keep it to the contributors james swindon town eh where did it all start for you uh 2004 um i was lucky enough to be taken along to a game against Peterborough, which we won, I believe. I'm not someone from the south of the county, I'm from Warminster, so and I, my family aren't particularly football-based, so I was lucky enough for one of my friends, went with one of my friends to watch one of the games, Dad took us along, and um, I just fell in love with it, I fell in love with the atmosphere, and just the ground and, and all that kind of stuff you do when you're a kid. And I just, yeah, completely fell in love with Swindon at that point. Was there a team before Swindon? Um, I, not not really. I kind of followed, like, obviously, I've all, like United when they were good, but I wasn't really massively into football when I was younger, prior to going to Swindon, because my family were more kind of cricket and 
that kind of stuff. But I think when you, whenever you go to your first game, you go to the ground and you get the atmosphere and all that kind of stuff. It's absolutely life like changing. And I just completely fell in love with it then. With that, certainly with that squad, with some of the players we had with like Sam Parkin and I think that was like Alan Reeves at the back at that time and Reese Evans as well was in that team and just an amazing. I think it was the season after we got to the playoffs. So we had still had a relatively good team at that stage, from what I remember. But yeah, it's completely completely fell in love with the club then. Yeah, 2004-05, I think we all expected a little bit more than what we got. I mean, we kept Sammy Parkin, obviously, but we lost Tommy Mooney. We didn't really lose anybody else um after that side um and yeah it just it just didn't work out and we went back to mid-table obscurity but you know that's one of those things you mentioned a few there but let's put this over throughout your whole time support in Swindon um who have been your favorite players to don the red of town the one that stands up with the rest has got to be Charlie Austin for his goals I think just like the story as well because I mean that's something that I've I love about football. You get these stories, obviously coming up from non-league football, and and then coming inside and doing so well. And I also think the fact that he was a local lad as well does kind of give the sheen to the stories. Well. And obviously the goals that he had, and I mean that get that those that goal against Charlton, the first game was just it's a memory I'll never forget. I'm trying to think of other other players. Uh, I used to have I don't know what, but I used to really like JP McGovern. Those kind of right sided players got a good cross in. I think he was actually mass- certainly in that like 2010, 2009-2010 uh, squad was massively underrated in terms of the chances that he created for um, Austin and Painter. So I used to really like him. Going to more recent times, I mean, he didn't have the greatest end to his town career, but what a player Yasser Kasim was. I love those kind of players where if they're not necessarily talked about, they do the job well and they kind of allow the attacking players to kind of go forward because they're the anchor of the, the midfield. I have I've a special love of those kind of players. I think Yasser Kasim at League One level was probably one of the, the best players in that team, I think. It was maybe underrated is going probably too far with that, but he was just so... So calm on the ball, and he, he it's sad kind of how his career is. I mean, obviously, he did fantastic with us and that kind of stuff, but he, he's a player who probably should have gone to play, I think, to play Premier League football. But so it happens sometimes, yeah. I'm, I'm certainly glad that we got the best out of Yasser. And my conversation with him for the podcast, it, it sort of lingered with me for a few days after the recording. I thought it was absolutely fascinating in places. And yeah, I mean, I'm definite member of the Asakasim fan club, but there is no doubt that he dipped. Charlie Austin, and we'll talk about your sort of non-league love for the game as well, because obviously there's definitely a bit of narrative there for you. But JP McGovern was brilliant. I love JP McGovern. And it was his storming run in the second leg at the Valley um, which resulted in Danny Ward's wonderful goal, oh. um, where he fell over and it just spilled its way to to Danny Ward, and uh, the rest is history. But the thing about these guys, especially especially Charlie Austin, is Disney taught us when we were kids that 
the Charlie Austin story resulted in him scoring that equaliser at Wembley and then the winner and then we all go on and to great things. But the fact that that bubble happened still to this day, you know, Disney have got a lot to answer for. Oh, it genuinely keeps you awake at night, that, that miss. I, I honestly think we would have won that game if that went in. Yeah, yeah. Of, of the three of the three Wembley games, that was the one that we really should have or should have at least scored in. <laughs> I think even as the game played out, I should say, you know, we, we should have really given Chesterfield more of a game, but um, we choked hard um, in that one. And then, well, we don't talk about Preston North End. OK, so we, we've talked about the players. What about the games? What are the games that stand out to you since since you follow Swindon? I mean, the pretty obvious one was the uh would be the Swindon Port Vale game where we won the league where we were just incredibly good that day I think we it was nice because that showed why we were champions of that league because we played so well obviously the atmosphere was incredible as well and, and all the antics after the game and all that kind of stuff is obviously something that as a fan those are the days you live for so it's they're pretty hard to kind of moments to forget the, the the Port Vale game, I think it was either it was either Benson or Connell. I, I talked to them in close proximity, but they did remind me, and they're spot on, that until the first goal, it was still a little bit nervy. And it took a while for that first goal to go in. And then after that, it was just a mauling, you know, leave them alone, you know, sort of stuff. But yeah, wonderful. Obviously, I opened the Stratton Bank for a home fact. Obviously, I want to get as many of us in as possible. So being there now is kind of a weird, but like nice experience as well. So... Yeah, um, so like other games, one that very much sticks to memory, and I probably should have had this player up there with my favourite players as well, um, was when we, I think we beat Norwich at home in 2010, draw, where Gordon Greer scored, I think in like the 90th minute, and just the place mm-hmm. yes. absolutely erupted. I, I think that's the loudest I've heard the county ground, I think, and that was just... <laughs> absolutely like what a player Gordon Greer was as well yep and um, I tell you the very small corner of a Newcastle upon time pub when Ballistic when that goal came through on Soccer Saturday from where I was following it one Saturday up in the northeast. lovely stuff okay well you know it, it's, it's funny really because Love Strangers has what five or six contributors and I've seemed to have you know really been putting in the West Wiltshire folk into the uh, into the into the roster because you know I'm West Wiltshire, Connor's West Wiltshire and you're West Wiltshire and it, it's really interesting because I know something that you're really passionate about in terms of Swindon Town is 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 for the club to reach out to what is open territory in terms of battlegrounds of Swindon supporters or just supporters in general. When I was growing up in Westbury, um, there were lots of, well, there were a few Bristol City fans, a few Bristol Rovers fans and and a few Swindon fans. But of course, the Premier League, um, especially Southampton and Tottenham and then the big hitters, sorry, Tottenham, um, after that, you know, that's who they supported. It's not hard to attract young kids to supporting a team like Swindon, but it never really happens over there, does it? It's just frustrating because I mean, I, was, I grew up in Warminster, as, as mentioned, and I went to school. I went to Kingdown School, and I was actually in the same year as um, Louis Thompson. And obviously, obviously, David Thompson came through, went to Kingdown as well, and lived in Warminster as well. Yet, 
still, still the fans who are at football league level were still mostly like Bristol or obviously at that time when I was at school, Southampton were in League One and stuff. There was literally left probably less than a handful of Swindon fans. Yet we had players who'd been who were playing for Swindon, and I just found that massively frustrating. And obviously, we're the only club in the county as well. And obviously, which is this kind of weird county where it's kind of divided um, because of transport links and all that kind of stuff as well. There's this massive base. I mean, there's obviously got warmest of Westbury, Trowbridge. And if the club... and so, I mean, I remember you've been talking about on the podcast recently about uh, post-COVID, about like attracting fans to the club. Why can't the... Uh, can the club try and get that part of the county that whether it's kind of uh, giving tickets to schools or that kind of thing, getting the young fans, just trying to spread out kind of the fan base a little bit because I, I just said that it just seems mental that it, it doesn't seem to be many Swindon Town fans from that part of the county and it just I don't get it. It's something that needs to change. Yeah, I, I would say Warminster is possibly the most southwesterly point where Swindon could have a legitimate claim to try and claim some fans because after Salisbury Plain, Salisbury is pretty much Hampshire, isn't it? To be honest, in yeah, terms yeah. of in terms of its of its football um, region, um, but Warminster, Westbury, Trowbridge, loads of people there. Loads of young football clubs, loads of schools, loads of opportunity, and and for older sort of um, you know teenagers and things like that, there's direct train to Swindon from I, I don't know if it's from Warminster, but it definitely is from Westbury, and it's not many, but there is one. And other than that, it's a it's a it's a changeover at Bath. But it, it, I do agree that I don't you know I imagine if they did it, it might not be as successful as we think. But when the time is right when they're giving out school incentive tickets, you know, reach out to the schools beyond North Swindon and, and well, North Wiltshire and Swindon and see what happens because, you know, one teacher might want to take a mini bus full of kids. And then if we get five diehards from that group of 20, then that's, that's progress, right? Yeah, exactly. And they use, they have the academy and they've taken place in this part of the county. So why not try and, why not try and get fans as well? And we're not picky about second teams anymore. I'm certainly not. If people want to support no, no. Liverpool, but also follow Swindon, more the merrier. Come on in and uh, and we'll we'll get you to ditch Liverpool at a later date. Something that also interests me about yourself, James, is that you are very heavily involved within non-league football. Um, you are the media manager at Froome Town. Their Somerset will forgive you for that. There's a very, very <laughs> little distance from the border um, between Wiltshire and Somerset, but it's a good team, good place for you to sort of uh, hone in on your uh, on your media ma- media management skills. How did you get involved in all that? And um, and when football was actually being played, how much of that does that take of your time, especially when in terms of following Swindon? I, I started there because I studied uh, sports journalism down at Southampton Solent, and we have to do um, a certain amount of work experience. And I was living ba- um, back in the kind of Dorset Somerset. Wiltshire area at the time so I wanted to kind of get to a local football club because I knew what I wanted to do was kind of social media management and that kind of press officer type role and um, Froome were at a decent level enough where that would make sense for me to do that and I and also like I, I saw that their kind of social media at the time wasn't up 
to potentially where it could be and I, I saw where I could help them out and local side and all all that kind of stuff so yeah it's been an interesting introduction to non-league football at Froome. But the best thing about it really is non-league football in terms of media management it's no different right you know you still got to get up the same content you still got the same match day so it's the perfect sort of if you can if you're not lucky enough to go straight into the bigger hitters of non-league or the football league it's a good place to lay those foundations. Exactly, yeah. And I think as in those roles as well, you kind of get an opportunity to try stuff out because there's no usually there's no structure there before. So you kind of get to find out what your niches are and what interests you and what kind of works and what doesn't, um, which has been fantastic, actually. And, um, and just, yeah, and... You obviously get a lot more access with players and stuff as well, and there's less kind of bureaucracy, I suppose, in terms of how like the players want to. They want to get all the man on the management side of things as well. As you can be a lot closer to the players and stuff, and you have more interaction with the fans and stuff, which is really good, and I find very interesting. And and yeah, it's. I think the thing that. I've learned most about when I've been at Froome is I think this, this I think we could relate this back to Swindon in terms of the future of Swindon is you're a custodian of it. It's not yours, it's the fans, so it's your job to change it to make it better. But you have it, it, you also have to kind of adhere to these you still have to adhere to these kind of roles and stuff and, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I absolutely love Froomtown and obviously still love Swindon as much. If obviously I still love Swindon more, but yeah, it's just I have to admit I used to have this kind of snooty non-league. It's kind of feel about non-league football, but when you actually go to games and stuff, and you actually see the level. It's there are some really genuinely talented footballers down at that level. So. Austin going in! Well, it was coming in the first half. It's arrived six minutes into the second. A glorious scoring header from Charlie Austin. You're listening to the Low Strangers podcast, proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. love affair with non-league football is very much a part of what your 11 is which I really liked what you did for the listeners he sent me James sent me a my 11 and it was brilliant it was a team worthy of promotion to the championship no problem at all but we went no that's too boring you got to think outside the box you know we all know Wes Fodderingham is the best goalkeeper we've had um you know an unbelievable 11 we've been spoiled in terms of and that attack goodness me there's goals in that attack what was it Austin Cox yeah Austin and Cox just oh I think I might the the problem I had was on the left wing with I wanted to put Danny Ward in but Alex Pritchard as well oh players what players so the 11 that you chose for your real My 11 was Fodderingham, Caddis, Jack Stevens, Greer, Sheehan, Pritchard, Ferry, Kasim, Richie, Austin, Cox. Forget about it. 
that is a season where we're picking up silverware. But we didn't go with that. We went for a Southern League 11. So players that you've seen either in the Southern League or near divisions, maybe a couple of Wiltshire Cup games in that, I'm not sure. Potent- I think there's one Wessex League, I think. Yeah, okay. So we're going for that sort of level of non-league football. We've called it the Southern League 11. Um, I think all of them have played in the Southern League, so it counts. But these are players that you've seen post-Swindon play in non-league football. Is there, before we get to the 11, were there any that, that missed out? Uh, yeah, Will Henry, sadly, uh, was one of those who was on loan at Supermarine at the time when he came to, to Badger's Hill, but there was one keeper who had to to go in. Um, Oli Rayek, who was a academy lad, uh, ended up at, I believe, was at Highworth when we played them. He was quite highly rated for a long time in our academy, but didn't sadly didn't make it through. Other players like Carl Lapham, who had been around... Who'd been around non-league, who'd been at Supermarine and all that kind of stuff. And it was at Siren Sester as well at one point. I might be wrong about that. So, yeah, Matt Jones and all those kind of players. Yeah, a lot of our better academy graduates who sadly sort of fall into non-league earlier than they would like, they do play a little bit higher often than, than Southern League, don't they? But, you know, Matt Jones played at Chippenham, but I think he's at Western now, so he's doing all right for himself. And then you've got Tom... Smith, who's doing individually, he's doing really well at Bath, and Chippenham always have one or two ex Swindons. Um, but yeah, Carl Lapham, he, he had such high hopes, and then it just he was released. It was really odd, um, and he's had a really good local non-league career. But let's let's go into your eleven. So the first name is a big name in terms of Swindon Town because he's a former Player of the Year. Hundred and twenty-seven games for Swindon between two thousand three and two thousand and six. You saw him play for Swindon Supermarine. It's Reese Evans. What and what a player he was when he was at Swindon. He, I believe he was the keeper at my first game as well, and uh, back in two thousand and four, but. What a player he was in his day, and again another Swindon lad as well, which is not something that at Swindon certainly in recent years, probably in the last two decades, that we've had a hell of a lot of. So that's been really nice, and yeah, I, I I believe this was only a game he came in because they had a couple of injuries. Because obviously he was, uh, I believe he was goalkeeper coach there at the time, and obviously in non-league, sometimes certainly in, in the goalkeeper department, if you have a few injuries, coaches get called up. So. Um, yeah, that's what happened, and I believe I think Supermarine won that game. I think they played in, so they'd be relatively happy with that. Absolutely, yeah. Reese had a, a pretty decent career, early friend to the pod as well. So um, always got nothing but respect for Reese Evans. He got a really good gig this season with um, with Barnet, and unfortunately for him as goalkeeper coach, but unfortunately for him, it only lasted a couple of months because they ditched. Peter Beadle and Steve Jenkins ex-Swindon um, shortly afterwards. But yeah, I mean, really into the local scene, really passionate about his coaching and not afraid to step. I mean, he's only 39 now, you know, so he, he could easily still be playing at that level um, for a non-league side. Okay, so we're going to go into the defence now, the outfield. So some names will be very familiar, some maybe not. The next name won't be super familiar. Um, he has been mentioned on this podcast a few times, actually. So um, this player 
featured for Swindon. Well, he played for Swindon during the uh, during the Snurrock years. He was on the bench a couple of times in 2007-2008. Um, it's Kurt Hammonds, who you saw play for Warminster Town. I think I believe he came through with Nathan Thompson uh, in that kind of time. So, yeah, playing at Warminster Town. I believe he's one who was actually really liked by... By, by the club, but just due to injuries and I believe it was a knee that just kind of, he couldn't keep up with with professional football at that time and, and decided that he wanted to play. I, don't, I can't remember what year that was, but has ended up playing in, in the Wessex League uh, for Warminster as well. So, yeah, sad story, but happens. Sad thing about football, isn't it? If, if you get a couple of injuries, sometimes that can be it, no matter the talent that you have. So And, and I guess... You know, at least he could still play at a level, um, even if it wasn't at professional level. And he gets mentioned on this podcast because he may have not been able to keep up fitness wise. But when it comes to red hot banter, it seems like he could compete with the very, um, the very mischievous um, of players like um, Billy Painter and and Simon Ferry. He went, you know, toe to toe with those guys, so he seemed quite popular within that squad. Yeah, but. Because uh, I I had the DVD of the 2010 season, he was doing his doing an in- initiation uh, at the the uh, at, at, during the I think it was when we at the Wembley game and yeah, his song choice and all that kind of stuff it was very interesting seeing him him up there singing that. So that's quite funny. Yeah, when will red hot banter become something on like Football Manager as a as an attribute? Um, for signing, you know, he's got patter. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe never. Okay, we'll move on to the next one, who is another friend of the podcast, the first friend of the podcast, because he was my very first guest on To the Low Strangers. Sadly for him, he didn't make it um, into the first team, despite eight unused sub appearances during the tenure of one Paolo De Canio. It's Aaron Oakley. Playing for at the time he was playing for Farnborough, and I believe I do remember he scored a very very good bullet header um, in that game. I I remember quite clearly, and he was another player who just didn't for whatever reason. Maybe we had too many defenders at the time, but came with who had a very good pedigree because he I believe he played in the world under twenty ones. So, I mean, he obviously had something about him, but just didn't didn't work out and <sighs> we're far too good really to require a a rookie center back at that stage because we've got McCormack we got Flints we got Devera we've got you know we've got probably Ward coming in at that stage I mean when you think about it on sort of just what we know attribute level you know Aaron Oakley youth international under 21 international six foot six center back He's got he's got games in the modern era, hasn't he? In twenty 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 one, he's he's playing at least Papa John's football, if nothing else. And it just makes you wonder if the players, obviously the senior players that at that time were in that position, we were very well stocked. You do think of uh, other times if players we maybe have missed because we've had too many players at that time who the uh, young lads haven't necessarily been needed, so maybe they've been shipped on because. Like there's pro deals and stuff. We don't, we didn't need them that time. So it's it's an interesting thought. Mm. 
Yeah. Well, Aaron Oakley makes your 11. And the next one is still playing pro football, but not in this country. He played 10 games for Swindon in the year 2018. He was playing for Melksham Town when you saw him. He's over in Poland now with Lubin. It's Joe Romanski, another friend of the pod. Yeah, but he scored as well, because that's a local derby for, for us against Melksham. Again, talk about non-league grounds. Very, very nice ground there. Yeah, and he's another player again who you think when he played for us, he was a he was a decent centre back um, and a good kind of util- utility kind of he played left back sometimes as well I believe and and all that kind of stuff. So you do wonder whether we missed out on one there and obviously he's playing in is it is is it are they, are they in the top level in in Poland? Yeah, the team he he is contracted to is top flight, but he plays for the second team who are third tier around about third or fourth tier yeah so it'd be interesting to see how he does out there and how he progresses it'd be, it'd be interesting how that goes because he looks like he has something about him but just didn't come through with us sadly i think it's a good old-fashioned um change of manager stitch up and i say that you know with no intention to be jovial i think you know if phil brown stays longer uh, Joe Romanski plays more games richie wellens comes in doesn't fancy him richie wellens has success what can you do yeah Again, it's a one-way thing. Maybe we missed out on one there, but I suppose only time will tell with that one, I guess. So You've not assigned a captain, but I'm giving the next entry the armbands because in terms of experience, he is town's most experienced man by not so far because we've got Reese Evans in there, but 227 appearances for Swindon Town between 2003 and 2009 most of you know with about eight million loan spells included in that um it's Jarrell Eiffel who who you know had a pretty decent season with Swindon Supermarine I was slightly too young to kind of remember him like his heyday kind of thing because when I was a little bit young but what a player he was what a defender absolutely an absolute monster at the back he definitely looked, obviously, he was, I think he was 36 when he was playing for Marine and had that kind of, he played very well that game, but obviously very commanding, quite a loud defender using his kind of experience. And I think you're right about giving him the armband, I think. <laughs> yeah, Jarrell, another person who's a friend of the pod and was brilliant when he came on and really open. And it was really interesting, his career, because... You know, he bedded in at Swindon, um, stuck around. And then, you know, his move that he got to Aberdeen is a great one. And it just didn't happen from there. And then with injuries and so forth, it just sort of has that moment that happens in a professional career where you think, goodness me, how d- within two years, you know, he's playing for Kettering. And you, you, you've got to wonder how, you know, what on earth goes on. But that that's football, that's the cliche would go. But it was nice because he had about three or four years out, didn't he, after he was at Staines, I think. And then he, he just appeared out of nowhere for um for Supermarine, probably did it as a favour, came in with a few goals as well. And it was just nice to see him playing football again. Because again, at that stage, he was only mid-30s and he still had time left to enjoy some football. Yeah, I think that's the potluck of the game, isn't it? If you make obviously you make the move, obviously Aberdeen was a better move for him than than playing for us to get up to the top top flight in Scotland. So you can't blame him for making that move, but sometimes it doesn't work out. And I think that's the the shame about it sometimes with football is that sometimes it just doesn't work out and moves. Yeah. Okay, well let's move to the midfield. Strong back four, I would say, on that one. Nice. And remember all of these guys 
James Hall play at non-league level. And the next one is a former youth player, as most of them are. He played 16 times for Swindon between 2007 and 2009. Went on to have a pretty decent local uh, career with Weymouth for a few seasons at Bath City, Chippenham, amongst others. It's Chris Allen. He was actually one who's actually playing for Froome. Um, very tidy. But he wasn't there for that long before going to Melksham, but very tidy midfielder and was, was very good at cross, uh, keeping the ball and crossing the ground and make sure. Yeah, and what was not a very great season for those Robins that season. So when I was younger, obviously with Swindon Town, we don't have that many like posters of the players and stuff. So I used to get them from the programmes. And... Uh, I had Chris Allen because I only had a few from a certain season. I had Chris Allen on my wall for about three years and I end up, he ends up at Froome and it's just kind of like, how do you say to someone? It's like, it's like, I don't know how close I was when I was younger at that time. Obviously, he was playing youth club at that time, but obviously, I played for the club. But I don't know, how do you tell someone, like, I had your post on my wall when I was a kid? <laughs> just seems a bit, certainly that non league level seems Did a you? bit mental. No, God, no. Oh, we, we needed to know that reaction. What a shame. Um, yeah, Chris Allen is one of these players that, because he was so young when he played for Swindon, you know, late teens, early 20s, um, he will forever be 19, 20 in my mind. But, you know, he's, what, 32-ish now, I think, probably. So in the tail end of his of his career, if he is, is, if he is indeed still playing. Um, but... Yeah, Chris Allen, a nice blast from the past there. Lovely stuff. Okay. Um, next player on the list. Ah, well, it's a big name who never played for Swindon. A couple of cup um, outings with the squad where he was an unused sub in 2009-10, which would have been under Danny Wilson, was expected to take the world by storm, but alas, it didn't happen. It's Alex Henshaw, who you saw play for Supermarine. Yeah, Alex is an interesting one, isn't he? Because he went to City, Manchester City, when, from us when he was very young and was touted very highly and was expected to kind of go on, but never kind of did mm. and had a few loans. And he was a player that would always kind of pop up um, as he was kind of sadly going down the leads. I think he was at Ipswich for a while and... And then going down and, yeah, it's sad how it happened for him, really, because he seemed like he's someone who had a bit of talent but just didn't. I don't know if there was injuries or anything involved, but just never seemed to kind of do it at the top level. Yeah, I, I mean, no one can begrudge him. I think it was about a quarter of a million it, it cost for Man City to take him from Swindon. And Swindon were probably sticking him on the bench to tell scouts that you know if you sign him now before before uh, somebody else does because we're he's he's 12 years old or whatever and going on our bench at the moment and then he, and man city right at the beginning of those sort of glory years those early stages of those glory years that they were having is a hell of a move um i think he's best remembered to many fans for a, a pretty pretty sort of um, sarcastic tweet to uh, a fan in relation to Louis Thompson, wasn't it? Um, where somebody said, I think Louis was better than him. And I, I think Alex took exception to that. Youngsters on social media, we put that down to. And um, um, unfortunately, people sort of have never forgot that and and 
compare the careers ever since when Alex went from decent club to decent club before it started turning into non-league, where he continues to move around on a regular basis. Now I think he's at um, Stratford Town, I think now, as opposed to Supermarine. So he has moved on again. Millions of cases like Alex Henshaw. I'd love to talk to him because it would be great to see what his experience was like going to the very top and struggling or not making it quite and and see what his point of view was but yeah it's a it's a tale as old as time in this game isn't it yeah and i think that's an interesting thing about him I mean, he obviously had talent going up to that level um but just didn't somehow make it I and mean, obviously there have been other players obviously not players i would have seen or was at southern league level but alan o'brien ended up at hungerford in the last few years so it it shows that obviously he had an incredible career. So it was at Newcastle and played for the Republic of Ireland and stuff like that. So I think ending up at non-league level doesn't necessarily mean you haven't got the talent. It just it's just sometimes the way it happens, really. So and people can have other business interests, can't they? They they might just want to step away from football, the pro game, and concentrate on on developing things that they're more interested in, using the money they've earned in the game. Um, so I know Alan O'Brien had, you know, injuries, but he also had business interests elsewhere. So he decided to focus on that, but he still wanted to play football on a weekend. So joined Hungerford, you know, it, it, it makes sense when you put it into those terms, doesn't it? And I think that is the case for a lot of footballers who just want to play. And yeah, I think that's the perfect one. Yeah. And, uh, at Froome, obviously this isn't a Swindon player, but, uh, we had, uh, Johnny Gorman, who's been, um, at the top level. Played for Northern Ireland. Yeah. And we, we had him. And he'd kind of gone down the level. He started at United, played at, played Premier League for Wolves, and then ended up at Froome. And it's it's just how it happens sometimes. So, hello, I'm Anthony Grant, and you're listening to the Loathed Strangers podcast. There have been a few players that, when I saw this list, you know, I think about the non-league players that I've seen and play for Swindon, and the first one that immediately sprung to mind was Michael Pook. So I expected to see Michael Pook somewhere on this list. He probably played a little bit higher than the Southern League for the majority of his time, but it was definitely sort of Hungerford, I think, or Siren, maybe. I can't remember. But he's not in this list. Our next player played one time for Swindon, about 60-odd minutes in 2015, to great um, infamy. Um, You saw him play for Staines Town it's Harry Agumba. Explain yourself. I'm not sure he even played. I think he might have come off the bench. I, I yeah. I. <laughs> how do you describe Harry Agumba? I. He was just. I remember the that Sheffield United game, and obviously people like Turnbull taking photos. And I would. I would always be Agumba in like the corner of the photo. He would always somehow be there. Yet he never, like. He didn't, didn't he, he didn't even get on the bench that much, did he? He was on the bench once. Um, he played, he, so he, he was in two match day squads he, over two seasons at Swindon. In his first season, he was an unused sub against Leighton Orient. And then the following season, he started against Leighton Orient. So I don't know if there was some sort of arrangement where he had to be in the match day squad against Leighton Orient. But yeah, that was the sum of his career. I mean, he has to be one of the most photographed ex-Swindon players in the business, given his social media. Well, I don't think he even came in, he didn't play on trial or anything. He just kind of turned up and was there. He was, he, he never had an announcement. He never had an announcement, yeah. He may not have played, but at least Jamie Calvin had an announcement. 
we could talk about this, the whole power reign. There'll just always be these kind of players who were there, and no one would ever really know why they never really got on the side. And it's just weird, weird. Yeah, it's a bit like when, like, if we if we put it in terms of politics, like people in America were like, you can't get any worse than George Bush as president. Um, and that's Swindon fans with a gumba. And then, you know, a few years later, somebody says, hold my beer. And yes. the, the rest is the rest is sort of history. I don't think that that quite works, but damn it, I'm going to use it. Harry Agumba makes a My Eleven, which is wonderful. We've yeah. got no problem with that at all. Um, again, would love to talk to Harry Agumba about his uh, his football career and possibly beyond. Next player um, you saw play for Highworth Town, and I kind of feel this pang of regret when I see his name. Eight appearances for Swindon Town between 2016 and 2018. It's now at Coventry City in their development setup. It's Jordan Young. Yeah, I feel exactly the same way. The fact he's at Co- in, in Coventry's development squad shows he's got something about him. I've scored on his debut against Shrewsbury, so I mean that might be another one where managers just didn't see something in him or maybe he just didn't progress in the way that they wanted him to, but I think that could be one that we could be regretting in a few years. It seems that he seems to be doing quite well in that Coventry. I think he's been on loan at Gloucester City and where I think he was playing well. Mm. Yeah, another one where watch the space, I guess, whether we're, we've made a mistake or not. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Young had a lot of injuries with Swindon and and again, it, it probably comes down to manage manager opinion. Yeah, he's still got a lot. I mean, it was great that he went to Highworth and showed that he was far too good for that level, um, which was the most important thing. He went there, started to enjoy his football again, and really, really went from there. And, uh, you know, the thing with these under-21, under-23 teams is there's no guarantee they'll kick on, and they do like hoarding these young players, but at least at least Jordan Young found a team, and, and hopefully, hopefully he will have a decent career whether it be at Coventry or beyond. Yeah, we've had a couple of those players. I mean, Will Randall's one of those as well who went on to, I mean, we sold him, but went on to to Wolves and sadly didn't go on. I think he's now playing in in in, non- in National League now, I think. Was it Sutton last time I saw him? He's at Sutton now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah so National League, yeah. we've had a few of these players. I mean, it seems to be midfielders as well because Lee Marshall was one of those players who we thought was going to be the next best thing, but just didn't, for whatever reason, kick on. I mean, from the games that we saw, he obviously had something about him, but just didn't. I mean, as as obviously we're not coaches or, or anything, but it's interesting to see what, I mean, obviously I don't know where he's playing now, but it never managed to kick on. So that's kind of sad, that story as well. But George is one of the players, I think. Be interesting to see what happens with him. As I said, watch the space, I guess, with him. Surely will. Okay, well, we've got two players left. Um, forward line played first one played sixteen times for Swindon between two thousand or well, twenty fourteen and twenty fifteen without scoring. Um, you saw him play for Gosport Borough, a friend of a Gumba. It's George Barker. Yeah, Barker's an interesting one because he came to Swindon with a relatively decent-ish pedigree coming from from Brighton. So you can kind of see why we signed him but it just didn't I think it was a player that Luke Williams obviously would have known obviously, obviously having been been at Brighton so 
I don't see that one as much as a kind of an anomaly as a Gombars was, but just never seemed to manage to kick on with us. And yeah, it's it's a classic of the genre of the era. I think George Barker. George Barker. Let's make no mistake. George Barker was not brought in on any controversial terms. He had played for Brighton and Hove Albion. Swindon had a good working relationship with Brighton at that time. Um, that's pretty much it, and it just didn't work for him at Swindon. So I don't think we can compare him with what you know. You know, although nothing's ever been confirmed about Agumba or um, or in modern terms the accusations that are pointed at the club in relation to Taylor Curran, uh, George Barker definitely came here with the intention of being a first team player. I think, and he was used quite often in in that first when he first arrived c- coming off the bench but again it just didn't work out and you can you can put that to various things but it it, it football is a ruthless son of a gun sometimes isn't it so it, it just wasn't to be and then after that he did he did go back local he went down to the south of england again gosport where you saw him i think he turned more into a winger um certainly a midfielder nearer to the um, into his non-league days and I think he was trying to get into the American league system at one stage uh, with a gumba actually I think they were trying to um, do stuff there uh, maybe with the Rowdies B team but yeah it's it's you know he's 29 now George Barker time flies doesn't it yeah one of the things about powers era that I do kind of understand and is one of the frustrations is that it does seem that he was they were trying to do almost like a money ball type figure buying in young players who maybe didn't who maybe had played some football and had something about them and then try and, and bring them on. But obviously in this in this case it didn't work because you have players like Kasim who obviously we talked about earlier, but hadn't had a massive pedigree before coming to us in terms of had played at maybe was it Luton in non league before coming to us? Yeah, that's right. I mean I, I kind of agree where you're coming from. Power you or Power using money ball, but he didn't have money or a ball. So he was using the trust of um, other teams. So in the Brighton sense, we had success appearance-wise and quality-wise with Yasser Kasim. We also had success with Rafael Branco. I know he came from Whitehawk, but he was at Brighton before. Branco, not everyone's cup of tea, but we got 129 appearances from him. So that's a success. And then you've got your Jesse Starkeys and your and your George Barkers, where it didn't work out as much. But if if something works once, you've got to try it a few more times, haven't you? Certainly with Swindon as well, certainly post the Austin era, is we like the idea of finding someone cheap and then doing doing well. And I said certainly at this level is you can't afford to buy loads of players from the top level and then expect them to kind of so I do understand the working just at different times at Swindon. They've kind of done this too much and the squad was comprised too much of these players who were too rough at the time. And that's certainly in that season post um, Wembley, 2015-16, we had a lot of those. Like I know he got a lot of hate, um, hate at the time, but Brandon Olmato came in with quite a good pedigree being Arsenal and stuff, and we had a lot of those kind of players at the time, but just didn't. You can't. You can only have a few of them, and you have to have the senior players that are already in the squad. I think that's why it worked in a couple of seasons before, because you had a mixture of senior players and those kind of youngsters coming up, like your your Gladwins as well. 
where it kind of works because they all, they kind of bring you up to the level of professional football. Yeah, Bradley Barry and um, and I think even Anton Rogers was another Brighton, even though Rogers came in from Oldham. I think um, he's got the Brighton link as well. So yeah, they really did give the uh, the Brighton connections a good go. I think Luke Williams probably being the main man behind that. We now move to our final player in this eleven, and it's played four times for Swindon in 2018, including a brace on his debut. It almost seemed like the manager at the time, Richie Wellens, was reluctant to play him and it was a success, so he had to play a couple more times. You saw him play for Highworth and Melksham Town. It's sole price. Yeah, I mean, it's another, it kind of almost echoes in a lot of ways, kind of Miles Story's story as well, in terms of he probably had too much too young and didn't, obviously, in all fairness, the Miles Story's playing in Scotland now, so maybe his career's not has gone quite well. But with Sol, what can you say? Obviously he had that incredible debut against Stevenage and then it just didn't work out for whatever reason really. Uh, whether that's the manager just he just didn't progress in the way that the manager wanted him to or we had too many players in that position at the time or or whatever and then you know. It was an injury crisis, wasn't it? So it was an inc- injury crisis. And I remember the quotes from Richie Wellens was that he was tremendously reluctant to play Sol. I think they changed their mind late on to play him. And then he scored so early into his debut. Um, and then he scored again. And uh, these are goals that, you know, anyone in that position could have scored. You know, it was it was a dream debut. I'm not taking that away from him at all. But it gave... Richie Wellens this headache because you know what we're like as fans we see a brace on debut and we think well this is it now we've 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 got our version of what Luke Jeffcott became at Plymouth where he came into the side and didn't stop scoring but he'd never seen sold on sold price and he used to cite that he wasn't great in training we, we, we hear a lot about training in in modern terms with managers don't we but Richie Wellens was definitely reluctant had the dream moments with 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 the first team and then just it just never kicked on the thing as well with certainly a lot of players if they get released as well dropping down to not he, he obviously a Swindon lad as well so you're going to end up playing in in local football so I think if you don't score early then you don't kind of get that recognition as well to, to go up as quickly so this is key isn't it because a lot of people think that if you come out of an under 18s um, and play a couple of pro games at, at league club you kind of it's kind of expected of you to if you go into a Bath City or a Chippenham town you're expected to then score 20 goals in in 30 games, aren't you? And it's not always the case because there are very good non-league players and you just don't waltz in. And a lot of young pros that are leaving their their YTS team struggle to get those. And when you're a centre-forward, you might only get like five minutes, ten minutes here or there to impress. And because of the merry-go-round, the revolving door of non-league football, People like Sol Price can find themselves quite easily. One, struggling to get a team. So I think he went to Highworth and then he got his Melksham and then he sort of goes from club to club. And that's when you become one of those non-league footballers. And they're not they're not journeymen because they want to be. They just want to play football, don't they? Yeah, and I think that's the thing. And you've got to think about their training a hell of a lot less as well. And the training environments are a hell of a lot different to what you would have at professional football. So I think that certainly if... Because he was probably a part of the first team as well. It's a whole whole different environment to get used to, and I think sometimes that if you don't quite have the character to ch- to fully change, 
as much as you probably would need to go into a a non-league environment. Like obviously, I don't know Sol or anything, but and you don't get that hit off, hit off the ground running. Sometimes it can it could be really hard to kind of get the right form to kind of help your way back up. Yeah. Well, there we go. That's the eleven. So Reese Evans, Kurt Hammonds, Aaron Oakley, Joe Romanski, Jarrell Eiffel, Chris Allen, Alex Henshaw. Harry Agumba, Jordan Young, George Barker, and Sol Price. Your manager is somebody that would probably make my 11 if I was to do an equivalent. I saw him before he played uh, for Swindon Town, so I was very, very excited with uh, with the signing of uh, this player when he went to Swindon. It didn't work out for him at Swindon, mostly because of the level. I think if we were League 1, League 2, he would have flew um, but we were championship at the time he went on to have a very good non-league career occasional reappearance in the football league local lad prolific goal scorer your manager is charlie griffin yeah i mean obviously he was at swindon prior to my uh fan but obviously someone that i've heard about obviously again local lad and all that kind of stuff and uh, he was a part of a Stevenage side that got back into the football league. So he's been around a long time in terms of... And he, he scored a hell of a lot of goals at non-league level. He's one of those players, I mean, going on to football manager, you'd always pick up because he'd always be good for a goal. So, yeah. And obviously, he, during my time at Froome, I think he was the manager at Sirencester to Town, who never good local side. So, yeah, another good Swindon link there. Very good Swindon link. The fact of the matter is, I mean, I've, I've, over the years, I've, I've, I've heard, well, read comments that suggest Charlie Griffin is one of the worst centre forwards that we've had, and I think that is so unfair. I mean, this guy came from the Western League, as Chippenham were back then, to the Championship. That is an unbelievable jump, and yeah, people like Charlie Austin have done similar, but. You can list 10, 20, 30 players in modern times to have done that, to to have done it to the success of Charlie Austin. And I think if he had like a three-year deal, then you send him out on loan for a season and then you start utilising him. I think if we're Swindon Town, the yo-yo team between League One and League Two now... I think he would have played a lot of football and scored a lot of goals with Swindon. I really do, because almost everywhere he was a regular, he scored goals. Um, And of course, most of those are in the fifth and sixth tier. There's not a huge difference between modern times, fifth and fourth tier is there. So there we have it. I sort of stitched you up a little bit there, James, because I'm I'm sure we could have talked for two hours about players that you saw 20, 30, 40 times and play really, really well with Swindon. But what we had there was a lovely mix of players that only played a handful of times, but we still respect it. Yeah, I think it's a very interesting look at players that maybe you could, given different circumstances, could have been successful for Swindon. But obviously that's the nature of the game and I think it's is what it is. Yeah, well, I'm going to be posting up my non-league Swindon Town 11 in the promotion of this absolutely that's a little treat for me this evening I think um and I would hope the listeners will provide theirs but until then James welcome to the low strangers and thanks for for contributing that 11 yeah cheers thank you The Low Strangers is a Swindon Town podcast proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. The music was created by the great Matthew Kilford and the artwork 
was designed expertly by Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.